Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan with the Laundromat Resource Podcast. It's show 125, and I'm pumped you're here today because today we have on the show Emil Shafroth, who turned his zombie mat into a gold mine and tells you all about how he did that. And as one of the big questions I get asked all the time is, what do I do with the zombie mat? How do I know if it's going to make money? And what do I do to make it make money if I take it over? Well, Emil is here to show us the way. It is an awesome episode. We have a lot of fun chatting. I know you're going to love it and want to get into it in one second. But real quick, I want to do today's fast lane tip to help you achieve your goals faster through Laundromat Resource. And today's fast lane tip is this. Did you know that when you join the Laundromat Resource Pro community, you get access to a whole bunch of stuff? So go check it out, laundromatresource.com slash pro. Um, but one of the things that you get access to is you get access to uh, a bunch of discounts uh, in a lot of different things in the industry, uh, anywhere from marketing to software to even buying your own house. Uh, you get a you get access to a whole lot of different discounts that we've been able to put together and we're continually putting more and more together. And I think we have a couple more coming up here pretty soon. But right now there's well over $3,000 worth of uh, discounts and free things from uh, industry partners uh, when you join the pro community. And each and every single one of them is valued at more than the investment to join the pro community. So not only do you get everything that you get with the pro community, but you can also recoup your money pretty much immediately. If you're planning on using any of these services, go check it out at laundromatresource.com slash pro and see all the different discounts that you get access to. And you know what? That's not even the best part of the community. The best part of the community is the community itself. It's so awesome uh, to just be in there and everybody helping each other out, everybody helping each other uh, get to the next level, wherever that is for you. So come join us, laundromatresource.com slash pro. Love to see you in there. And without further ado, let's talk about how to turn your zombie mat into a gold mine with Emil Shavroth. Emil, thank you for coming on the show. Super excited to have you on. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. Doing awesome. Uh, listen, man, I we've chatted a little bit, you know, getting getting uh, ready for this thing, and I'm super excited. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, and then let's get into how you got into this business. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, um, I'm originally from Oregon. I was like, you know, military guy out of college. And, um, I think I got out of 2010 and, uh, was just kind of doing a few different businesses. Um, I was a uh, pilot when I was in the, the military. So I continued flying while I was trying a couple other businesses and, um, yeah, finally got out of um, flying when I bought my first laundromat. But I've been looking for laundromats since like the early 2000s. Well, I shouldn't say I've been looking for them, but I was I was curious about them because of the the famous book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Poor Dad, come on, yes. Yeah, yeah. he was talking that. about that. And I read that when I was like 20 and I was like, oh, this is, I mean, it was such a great book for like the concept of money and everything. So um, yeah, that, that, that was one of the things that kind of stuck in my head was laundromats. So yeah. Um, yeah, went and did like a bunch of flying stuff and and then um COVID hit and I was furloughed. So I was out of work. I hated that feeling of like somebody called me to tell me, 
hey, you're not going to work for us anymore. And so I didn't know I was going back to work. And I was like, hey, this is a time to, to really get serious, find one and buy one and um, get in the business. So I did. And it's been great so far. Awesome. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for your service. Appreciate that. We've got a long history of pilots in my family. What branch oh. were you in? Uh, I started in the Marines and finished in the Army. Okay, awesome. Yeah. We got a lot yeah. of Air Force pilots on on our side over here. So okay, cool. A lot of respect for the pilots. So appreciate you and uh, everything you've done for our country. Uh, out of curiosity, I mean, you said you've you've kind of well. First of all, I just need to speak to everybody else for a second. If you have not read Rich Dad Poor Dad, shame on you. I'm gonna have a link. <laughs> Go buy it and read it. So, uh, I mean, okay. that's like the the epitome of this business is like based on that. Based yeah. on that book. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And it's like just any podcast you listen to any interview, like almost inevitably this book is going to come up, right? <laughs> anybody yeah. who's found success, are going to be like Rich Dad right? Like, so, and you know, there's some, you know, people who like to hate on the book and stuff. For, who cares? Like for, forget them and, you know, take the lessons out of the book that are meant to be taken. Yeah. So shame on you. Click the link down below if you haven't read it and just buy the book. Okay. Uh, all right. So going back, so you said, uh, Hey, you kind of been eyeballing laundromats for a long time. What was, what was holding you up? How come you never pulled the trigger until uh, yeah, that's kind of forced? That's a great question. I think, um, uh, there was, I can remember specifically one that I, I talked to the owner, you know, went through all the stuff, came up with the, you know, had the financing and I just couldn't, just couldn't pull the trigger. And, uh, I was busy, you know, with, with, my career and, and, uh, I didn't know how I was going to take it on, uh, doing the two of them. And I, I was just scared. Like I just didn't, didn't want to do it. You know, it was, yeah. it was scary, but. Well, and it's yeah. true. I mean, that is the, I mean, taking that, taking that step and like jumping off the ledge or whatever, like that's, that is like the big hurdle, right? It's so hard to, yeah. to do that. Cause there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of things you don't know. You know, like you said, there's, you've got other things going on too. Things are busy, you know, it takes capital, it takes money. So. Yeah. And sure. then I think it was, was like the point when I, when I made the offer, they accepted it. We went into escrow. The, that was like the same week that I got called back to work to, to fly. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? You know? And crazy enough, my mom, um, she's retired and she was like, I'll come down and help you. And so she flew down from Portland to LA and lived with me for like four months while I tried flying and working, you know, it, it was a zombie math. It was like, I was doing all nighters, like trying to renovate it. And she's, you know, and then I would get called to go on a trip, you know, and then I would be gone for four days and she'd be working the laundromat. And it was just crazy. Finally, I told my boss, I was like, I can't, do this anymore. And it's so funny. My boss, when he, you know, he owns this big charter company and he was like, so interested in the laundromat thing. He just kept asking me all these questions about it all the time. And, you know, and I was like, man, you got this, this awesome business here. Like, what are you, why are you so interested yeah. in the laundry stuff? But well, yeah. I found that, I found that to be true. Like a lot of business owners are very intrigued by the laundromat. And I think, I, I don't know. I'm not going to like speak for your boss, but I think I've seen a lot of people who are have great businesses, but they are they're earning that money, right? They're working yeah. hard. They're working yeah. long hours. There's they're dealing with lots of issues, lots of problems because they've got a lot of people and you know big airplanes and stuff that they're trying to figure out. And the concept of the laundromat, where you're getting cash flow, oh, yeah. it's not taking up all your time. You got a lot more freedom. Uh, I think it's 
I think it's really intriguing to a lot of business owners. So yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great business for sure. Yeah, it's not that surprising. Okay. Uh well, yeah, that's that's a crazy like uh four months that sounds like you not only are you working a job and trying to turn around a zombie map, but your mom's also living with you. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other. There was, there was a couple other things that added to that. That was like, I had to have been like one of the lowest points of my life. You know, it was yeah. like just turned 40 and I was like, this is my midlife crisis for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, I should have bought a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, all right, you bought a long, uh, a zombie mat. So, uh, can you take me through the process a little bit? Like, how did you go about finding uh, this yeah. place, and what was that experience like? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I just kind of, you know, went on the the classic like biz buy sell website and uh, Craigslist, and this one I found on Craigslist randomly because there's not really a lot, especially now. Like that was three years ago, and, and it's changed so much. Um, you know. Um, since then, but yeah, this one was on, on, on uh, Craigslist. I, um, reached out to the broker. Uh, he started kind of walking me through, um, things and started pre-qualifying me and, and you know, a little bit more backstory. I owned vending machines before this. And okay. so I kind of did like, you know, a business similar, you know, cash business that had a lot of, you know, coin turnover and stuff like that. And, and th- that was another reason I actually wanted to get into the laundromat industry, which is kind of like segue into like a, you know, I could have the both of them. I never would have a coin shortage, you know, like right, we were going yeah. COVID. That was another <laughs> but, cool, yeah, wrench into things. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we, we, we started kind of talking things out and I can remember the broker was telling me, um, Hey, he's like, this is what they want. Like, let's go ahead and, um, you know, if you're really serious, you need to write a, uh, uh, agreement, you know, a purchase agreement and, you know, 30,000 down, whatever, uh, was what I needed to put down according to like him and the seller. And I was like, dude, I'm not signing a purchase agreement. I don't, I haven't done any due diligence. I don't know anything about this, this laundromat yet. And he was like, well, that's not really the way it works. And I, I was so frustrated with him. I think I eventually hung up on him and I was like, this, this guy's like out to scam, you know, this guy's on Craigslist, <laughs> all this stuff. So I, uh, he reached back out to me. And so I hired another broker to consult and I, I found him, he was an, a, a, an LA business broker. And I said, Hey, you know, like, you know, I'm not looking to split the commission or anything or whatever, but can I pay you like 500 bucks and just go through the paperwork and tell me if this is the way it's done. And he did. And it helped tremendously because he was able to say, yeah, this is normal. Okay. Yeah. This is the due diligence that you're going to do. This is escrow. These are the contingencies during escrow that you'll mm-hmm. sign off of and, and all that stuff. Like th- this is the process. And that was like amazing. And then come to find out the broker was perfect. Like he, he wasn't trying to scam anything. He was completely honest. The sellers were amazing. They were like a Korean couple who had owned their laundromat for 30 years and they were just wanting to retire. They, they was during COVID and they were scared and Holy. not scared, but they were just like, they, they saw a decline in their business yeah. and they're like, our health's deteriorated. We want to retire. It's a good transition but, point for them. Yeah. yeah. And they were, they were amazing. They were, you know, they even check in on me, you know, currently to see how things are going. They always wanted to make sure I was still making money and, and all that stuff. So the process for me was actually really, really nice. It went, went well. I, yeah. <laughs> I love to hear that because uh, especially in our market, I mean, there's just stories of this going South and there's, I mean, honestly, there's maybe like a handful of brokers that I would 
you know, trust to do deals. So it's likely you're going to find somebody who's not, you know, who is yeah. telling you weird stuff like that. And, right. uh, but I'm super glad to hear that you paid, you know, somebody to just verify everything. Like, Hey, is this right? Yeah. Like, cause this, cause it doesn't like the The process is so on the one hand, it's it backwards. Like it doesn't make sense. You're not getting yeah. a lot of details before you make your offer. You're yeah. not, yeah. you know, you're not verifying anything before. And so you're kind of just saying, yeah, you got these owners saying, okay, here's how much money it's making, you know, and you're like, based on what? Like, how do I know that that's true? And they're like, well, make me an offer of tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars based on just yeah. me saying that. And it yeah. feels it feels wrong, especially if you've never done it before. So glad to hear that you did that. Um, okay, so you found this thing on Craigslist. You reached out to the broker. You brought on a consultant. They said, yeah, it's legit. Uh, what was the process of the due diligence? Like, did you do a whole lot? I mean, you said this was a zombie mat. So what was that like? Yeah. Um, when I went and looked at it, I think one of the first things I did before I'd even met the the owners was I went and I sat inside there and just kind of watched. Uh, I think I did a load of laundry and I just kind of watched how things were. And I can remember just looking around going, I feel like this place has a ton of, uh, it could use a ton of improvement. I think it, you know, you could just do a lot in here. and. Um, the only question is now, is it making money? So um, I'm, you know, a spreadsheets nerd and uh, love doing like pro formas and all that, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of put together what I could based off of what I knew about the industry, which was nothing, um, you know, just trying to ask a lot of people as many questions as I could. Hey, what do you, what is insurance expense going to be like? You know, what is, I, I was able to get the utility bills from them. And um, then, you know, just go off of what their collections were. And I can remember the guy was so funny because he was so he was very private about everything. And um, he was like, you know, yeah, we'll do the collections. But I was like, OK, well, that's cool and all. But do you have like a history of collections? I want to see like your history of income. And he kind of didn't want to. And then one day he brought in like a, a sack of of these little, you know, books that were like 30 years worth of his collections. Oh, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, wow. And I put it all together and I, I ran the numbers and I was like, okay, this is legit. This is like making a little bit of money, um, decent price for what they're, you know, what I thought. Again, I didn't know, but, you know, I could kind of guess based off of the numbers. I was like, oh yeah, I can make this work. I could make a little bit of profit, pay my, my loan on the business and, you know, it, it'll work out. I didn't, you know, know it would turn into what it is, but you know, it's, it, it was, I was like, yes, this is a definite yes, which I think is important really. I mean, they say if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no type of thing, but it's scary though, man. Like when you don't know anything about the business and you're trying to get in, it's, it, there's so many things that are going to tell you to back out that they're just, it's hard. Yeah, no, that, that is a hundred percent legit. And, you know, I, I, I I can't tell you how many people I talk to, you know, on consulting calls and stuff, or just having conversations with the people that are like, you know, similar to you, like, oh, I've been thinking about buying a laundromat forever. And I'm always like, well, how come you haven't? And it's that it's scary, man. It, it it's just yeah. it is. And at some point, either you know, you got to take the leap, or it's just one of those things you've been thinking about for decades, right? <laughs> yeah. And now I'm looking at another one and um you know, this one involves the property and it's like, um, it's just so scary. There's just a million things that just make you, I'm back in the same shoes, you know, it's, and I know the business now somewhat. So, yeah. 
Yeah, no, and it it Art. is that that's how this industry is. Is because most laundromats still are cash based. You're it's there's just a lot of unknowns, and yeah. it's not like you can download a report off of software for a lot of these businesses and just yeah. say, okay, here's how much money's coming in. You know, it's clean, clear cut. It's just not. It's a lot <laughs> of murkiness there. Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, and there's so many variations of uh, in the laundromat business, as you know. Uh, you know, you've got all different types of, of types of laundromat businesses, and yeah. add on to that, and yeah, wash and fold. Like I was running numbers, saying, okay, if I add the wash and fold, you know, it'll make this much more. If I add a little store, it'll make this much more. For you know, that was kind of what I was guessing. Well, come to find out, you know, my sales did great, but the wash and fold did nothing. You know, like I think I get like three customers, three customers a month on my wash and fold because it's just not that demographic, and I right. had no idea. But yeah. you know, in other areas, that's going to be your main income. So, yeah, you know. a lot of different business models for this model. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, okay, we'll get there uh, for how you set your business model up here in a second. But uh, okay, so you went through this due diligence process, you did coin collections, you got a bag full of thirty years of collections. <laughs> uh, and eventually you're like, okay, I think I can make this work. Um, uh, you know, it takes us back to like day one when you took over, they handed you the keys, you know, what was like going through your mind and how did it turn out? Oh, I was like, it, it was just one of those things where you're like, here we go. What have I got myself into? Uh, it was, it was overwhelming. I didn't know. <laughs> it's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> but the owners like were they were like cleaning out their office and like walking out the door and like here are your keys. And I was like, we'll see how this goes. They left me, they left me two employees that were helpful, you know, that helped me kind of that's good. A, a little bit, you know, as as much as they could because they don't have access to a lot of stuff either. But right. Yeah, that was and I think that was the day my mom got down to LA from from Oregon and she was like trying to spin her up on what keys are what we're trying to find out what keys are what you know you, you remember you got the the bag of keys and you're yeah. like what I got a bucket <laughs> I think I got one yeah. of those like old uh, butter buckets you know with the little plastic yeah. lid that goes uh, the the mm-hmm. it was just full of random keys and I was like yeah what do I do, what do, I do with this stuff <laughs> the storage units were just like piled high with just garbage back behind the dryers was all you know the equipment from 20 years that had never been hauled out or anything you know just parts and stuff i i just remember that completely overwhelming feeling that first day oh yeah well you know i've shared this on here before but i walked in first day and a lady was completely naked washing all of her clothes and i was like what 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 did i do like help me gosh what what did i do uh, so, you know, that was an omen of things to come. Uh, so, okay. So super overwhelming and you got a bucket full of keys or a bag full of keys and you got storage that's piled high, you know, what, what were your first steps? Like, what did you do? Like from when you took over, um, you know, you knew going into this, you were coming in trying to basically turn this thing around or in, in, increase business. So what steps did you take? What did you do? And did they work? <laughs> yeah, I think the first steps that I took were like, just try to keep your head above water. I mean, it's it was, you know, sink or swim type of thing. So I was just trying to figure out the day to days like, hey, how is, are the doors going to lock when I close them? Are they going to open when I, you know, in the morning when they're supposed to? And um, we got to keep this place clean. Um, I wasn't, it needed a lot of renovation type of stuff. And that was maybe one of my specialties 
because I have that background to, to be able to do that. But I didn't have the the resources. I didn't have any money. I think I all, you know all my money was tied up in like the utility company wanted you know two months of deposit. You know the the land the rental company wanted two months of deposit, and it was like you know you just like a, before you know you're handing out cash left and right to yeah. like get this thing going. And um, I was like, well, where am I going to come up with money to you know redo the floors or repaint the walls and stuff? So that's where that's where it became difficult. But I think the first two weeks was, was literally just uh, figuring out that the operations day-to-day operations and just going with the flow, dealing with the customers, learning how they work, trying to please them, make sure they're coming back. You know, that's the biggest thing when you have any type of store is are people coming in the door and are they coming back? Yeah, that's, I love, I mean, that's super succinct, but that is like, the key, right? Like yeah. you have to distill it down is like, are people coming in and are they coming back? And how do I get people in and how do I get them to come back? Like that is right. the key, the business right there. Uh, okay. So you, I mean, that's, that's it, right? You got to learn the business. Uh, you know, when you, when you first take over, you got to learn the operations, you got to learn, you know, the ins and outs. The, the good news is, is that the basics of it, at least they don't take a whole lot of time learning, like you said, yeah. a couple of weeks or, or whatever. Um, and then, so once you kind of got that rolling, uh, I mean, did you do anything specifically to like start growing the business or did it just kind of happen because you're taking yeah. care of stuff or. Yeah, no, I, the, um, like I said, my goal was to, to fix it up and, um, I didn't have the money or the knowledge or anything to, to invest in new machines, which I knew mm-hmm. it needed, it, but I had like a, a handful of machines that were, that were good when I say good, about 10 years old. So, um, you know they they work fine, but I guess in the the world of laundromats, if you if you value the laundromat based off a of ten year old equipment, it's probably past its cycle and not worth anything. But hey, they were they worked great and they were making money, so that was fine. But then I had another set of machines that were like thirty years old, and they worked, but you know there was a lot of maintenance involved, and um, I didn't know the maintenance on those. You know I'm handy; I can work on a car, but that's this is a completely different animal. So I had a, a mechanic who come to find out was kind of taking me for a run a little bit. And then I was able to find my new mechanic. I think is same as your mechanic, I think. But anyway, he is amazing and he teaches me things and shows me things and, you know, the most honest guy, but, uh, you know, the first guy I had to let him go because it was like, wait, what are you doing? And you're not fixing the machine. You're you know, spending all this money. And, and yeah, yeah. he just didn't know what he was doing, especially on the older stuff. So uh, I came in and I said, okay, the first thing I can do is maybe the floors. Like let's tear up the floor and like, gr- you know, go grind it and polish it, make it look nice. Maybe, you know, I think people, when they walk into a store, they either look up or down. And, you know, a lot of times they look down because they're walking. And I said, okay, if I make the floor look nice, that's step one. So I pulled like a couple all-nighters, you know, tearing up the floor and, um, having it sanded and polished. And I think I was able to scrape together a couple thousand dollars, have a guy come in and, and polish them for me. And that was like a huge step for me. That was the biggest thing I could do. And that kind of got the wheels rolling. That kind of got me motivated and got, got things going in the right direction. Yeah. And I think the floors, like you said, people are looking up or down. And I think the floors can be a huge, uh, investment like return because it's so easy for floors to look dirty and dingy. And if yeah. your floors look dingy and old your stores even if you have brand new machines in there and paint on the walls if your floors are dingy they're gonna look uh you know your, your store's just gonna look shabby you know it, right. it almost doesn't matter anything else but vice versa you can greatly improve 
the look and feel of your store just by, even if you have older machines and stuff, right? Just by improving the floors. Yeah. The, one of the best comments I got after I did the floors was somebody said, you changed the lights in here, didn't you? Because it's a lot brighter. And I said, no, we didn't actually do anything to the lights, but it was just, you know, the reflection or just the, the different color of the, the new floor was you know, a lot brighter in there, which helped a lot. I liked. Yeah. Which is awesome. Uh, real quick. I, I don't want to gloss over because you mentioned something I think gets overlooked a lot uh, when you first got in, which was, you know, there's a lot of expenses that people don't really realize when you take over a laundromat, you know, and you mentioned like the rent deposit, you mentioned one that, you know, a lot of people are kind of used to rent deposit, you know, if they've ever rented an apartment or something, they require deposit. So you can kind of like get that and anticipate that. I think a lot of people don't realize you got to put in deposits for like utilities a lot of times. And there's, you know, you got to buy quarters, you know, a lot of times it doesn't come with the business. Right. And so there are these other kind of expenses, you know, to be aware of. So I just, you mentioned that I wanted to kind of highlight that uh, because you can get blindsided, especially, you know, a lot of people are looking for like the free laundromat or whatever, which is fine. uh, But there, there's nothing free, right. You still got (laughs) to have these deposits um, there. So if you come in with zero cash or you come in like right at the edge of what you can afford, you might get a rude awakening when you find out you've got to put down money um, or buy quarters, or, you know, or stuff like that. So just something I wanted yeah. to highlight because I thought that was a great yeah. point. Yeah. I think it was like 26,000 in deposits I had to pay. Now you can't borrow that money. <laughs> You're right, not going to yeah. put your credit card or something, you know, I mean, you could, but I mean, that's just one of those things where you just start figuring out how to do it because yeah. challenge. Yeah. That can be a challenge. Okay. Uh, all right. So you did the floors. That's awesome. Uh, did you see like impact? Obviously the customer experience was better. Did you see impact on the business? Uh, um, you, did that? you know, I, I don't think there was a lot of change in like uh volume at that moment. Um, but Part of it was the floors, I think. And then also my mom was just amazing customer service lady. You know, people three years later still ask about her, you know, how's your mom doing? And she was just so nice to these people who um, are, um, you know, live in a a rough part of town and, um, you know, they are probably on guard a little bit. So they might not be as friendly uh, all the time, but um, giving, you know, extending that friendliness to them helped so much. And I, I think we got a lot of um, positive reviews, I guess, you know, like the, the few Google reviews that we we got at that time were positive on the, the new ownership is, is good. And um, that helped a lot. I think, um, I think it wasn't until January. So I bought in October. It wasn't until like after Christmas, January, when we really started seeing like sales start to increase when I kind of started implementing a couple things that, you know, a, a lot of people in, and the old owner was like this too, were like, Hey, if I can't see an immediate return on it, I'm not going to do it. Well, I, I just didn't really believe in that philosophy. I, I believe that, um, you know, anything that I can do to make the customer experience better was going to help me, even if it cost me money and didn't show a, a direct link to a return on investment. And, uh, I bought like a nice, uh, coin changer, about a couple more coin changers. I think we had two, I put in two more and, uh, this one was able to make, you know, break bills instead of having to walk around with a lot of cash and give people change all day long, the, the machine could do it and customers just loved it. And, uh, you know, that helped kind of the customer experience and 
And that was another big thing. So, yeah, that's huge. And well, I, I forgot to ask you, but when you took over, was like your assessment of how this business was performing, was it accurate? Did it turn out to be, you know, ballpark, uh, an accurate assessment or like what the owner was saying, or, you know, was it making less, was it making more? All the, all the numbers he had were spot on. He, yeah. he was, wasn't trying to hide anything. You know, he was, uh, he was very honest and that was, that was great. And that's why he, he came back the next month and said, Hey, I want to know how you did. I want to make sure you, you know, we didn't sell you something that you're not happy with that, which I thought was amazing, but yeah, you know, awesome. I'll let you that. <laughs> yeah. So everything was, was on point to what he had, but you know, like even the trash cans were like just these big open, you know, Oscar, the grouch type of, uh, you know, metal tin cans that, that were open and, um, you know, they were beat up and old and I just didn't like that. They were had trash that you could just see. So, you know, we upgraded those and trash cans aren't cheap. They were, I think they were like 500 bucks a piece or something like that. And we just made nicer ones and, um, you know, started to go down that, that road of like making every little improvement that I could. Yeah. Incremental, those incremental changes really do add up. And like you said, I mean, sometimes you can't see that return right away, but, uh, you know, as they accumulate it, it really shifts the perception of the business and it shifts, uh, you know, the, the experience that the customers have there. Uh, right. And a lot of people ask me like, well, what, what do you think it was that caused all the, you know, your growth? And it's really hard to say one particular thing. And, but, you know, I was always trying to do multiple things and I was always watching my numbers. I, you know, like I said, I'm a huge numbers guy. And if you can't, uh, I think Warren Buffett said, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So it was like, okay, let's, you know, see how it's doing. Well, I couldn't, unfortunately, you know, pin one specific thing to, the numbers increasing or anything like that. But, you know, I just know it was a collective and there was some luck involved, to be honest with you. I think one of my biggest competitions closed down um, nine months after I bought it. And we just had a huge influx of customers, which is, you know, just pure luck. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome, but we really had to step up our game at that point. Cause now we got to service all these people and get them in and out and keep them, you know, like I said, happy and keep them coming back. And, you know, I was like, do I raise my prices? You know, what do I do? You know, this is a supply and demand issue. I, I didn't really know how to handle that, but yeah. we, we worked through it. Well, what did you do? I mean, did you raise prices when that happened? So I, yeah, my my thought was, okay, I've got all these customers coming in. I almost can't get any more in the door, you know, especially on a weekend. Um, I need to raise my prices. And so I kind of did a little bit, just a small little incremental price increase, but um, that didn't seem to make that much difference. Uh, we still... Had a lot of people coming in. I, so I just kind of ran with it. Um, but again, I, I was thinking, okay, if I raise the price, you know, just like the supply and demand curve, it'll show, uh, you know, I'll have customers kind of dwindle down and they'll, you know, I'll keep the ones that want to pay the price. But I knew that I couldn't raise prices without adding value. Mm-hmm. So the customer can't say, oh, I got this price increase, but I don't see any benefit to what I'm getting for this added increase. So that was where I had to make sure that I got you know, the things that I want to do, like the renovations and, and upgrading the store before I could really throw in a, a decent price increase. So I, I kind of left it the way it was because I knew it wasn't ready for that. But um, eventually we did do some price increases when we got things done and, and it worked out well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I mean, that whole supply demand curve, you know, is awesome. And like you said, there was some luck involved there, but you had already been doing some incremental things to be ready right. to capitalize on that luck, which is 
uh, also, you know, fortuitous for you, but that's on you for doing that. Right. You get credit for that. I'm giving you credit. For, for <laughs> nice. Uh, did you, did you end up replacing machines at all? Like ever? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I went to a function. I, I've met a lot of people in the industry now that have been in it, which is awesome because you can really bounce ideas off people like, Hey, how many, uh, you know, this is, what do you think about this machine? What do you think about that machine? And, uh, what size machine do you think I need? And then, um, I had, I met this one guy down in San Diego who owns several stores down there and he's been in the business for 40 years and he's kind of like a ninja and he's not like a huge, huge, uh, you know, laundromat guy, but he knows the business inside and out. He even, uh, refurbishes his own machines. And he has this whole production, you know, like a warehouse offsite where he just refurbishes machines and he can, he can build out a store for like amazingly cheap and that the machines look brand new, but they're 30 year old Dexters that just run, you know, top. Anyway, he kind of started walking me through, Hey, okay. I think you need more 80 pounders. I need, I think you need more 40 pounders, you know, this and that. And then he was like, Oh yeah, get rid of those machines. You know, I had some 30 year old Milner's, which are great machines. The customers love them, but they're not great for the owner because they use a ton of water, a ton of maintenance. Tanks <laughs> so, too, man. Yeah, we, we had to get those out. And just replace them Which with is easier a, said than done because those yeah, suckers are exactly. tanks in their weight. Also, those are they're heavy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's a cool machine, but yeah, it just it didn't it didn't add to the look of the store. It didn't add to my efficiency with water, um, electricity. Even those things like you can hear them humming all night long. You know, even when the store's closed, <laughs> it's like it's it's a crazy machine, but. Uh, yeah, we got those out. You know, I, I spent about a hundred thousand in new equipment, which wasn't really a lot of equipment, but it was just to replace uh, about thirteen machines. And then I think I had sixteen top loaders at the time, and I was like, "This is just way too much water." So I replaced five Milners, eight old Continentals, and then took out eight top loaders. <clears throat> and just that right there decreased my my water bill by two thousand dollars. Which paid for the equipment, you know, that's the equipment payment. Yeah, right, <laughs> so, loan payment, and, yeah. And more. So that was like a huge, huge thing that I kind of stumbled across incidentally. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how much savings we would have just by upgrading the efficiency of the equipment. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, that's that's one of the, uh, uh, you know, it, it's easy again. I mean, it kind of goes back to your investing in things that may not have an immediate return, even though this did, uh, for you, but it can seem like, oh my gosh, I have to buy all this equipment. It's going to cost me X amount of money. But what we forget to factor in is that it, there's also monetary benefit to that. Right. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if you raised your prices, but you can raise prices. Yeah. You're going to see some utility savings, you know, that's going to help you out, you know, offsetting the cost of the loans there. Customers do like shiny new things. So you might get new customers coming in. You're going to keep them there longer because they know the machines are going to work because they're reliable because they're new, right? Like there's so many benefits to of adding new machines uh, that, you know, don't be short-sighted on, oh, it's going to cost me $100,000 or two hundred dollars or $400,000, whatever it costs, because uh, there are benefits uh, that are coming your way too. Yeah. It's kind of cool when you don't, you know, it's just like, it was in the back of my head that I just knew I needed to do it because it was just kind of on that, that customer experience spectrum. And, you know, like you said, yeah, you can raise the prices. And when you do it, the aftermath is like, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I do this before? You know, <laughs> how does everybody not do this? You know, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, going back to your point is like, 
this is why it's so important to be connected in the industry, right? Like you probably would have made different decisions if you yeah. didn't have a dude who was 40 years deep into the industry who just knew what you needed to do to help you improve your business, right? And was giving you <laughs> specific advice. Well, the funny thing is, is there was a couple things he said that I kind of went against and now I'm wishing I had done, but you know, it is what it is, but yeah. you, we're still learning. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all part of the process, right? And you know, it's also not to say like, just because somebody's been in the industry 40 years doesn't mean they know the best way to do it either, right? You still right. got to use your head and it's, right. you know, it's going to behoove you to be connected to multiple people, getting some different perspectives and contextualizing it to your specific business. It, a lot of times it comes down to to going with your gut too, because um, I've experienced this and I, I heard somebody else talk about this one time. He's a, a an investor, a very a prominent investor. And he was saying in, a, in an interview, he said, you know, I go to these meetings and uh, he goes, I, I have the, my idea of how I think, you know, I should invest or whatever. And everybody has all these opinions. Everybody starts talking about stuff and collaborating. And he goes, and I walk out and I feel like I, I know less than what I knew walking into it. Cause now I've got all these uh, people's opinions. And I think that's true. It's with, with my experience too, which was like, all right, all these people said to do all this stuff. Now I'm just completely lost. Yeah. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, you know, if you go with your gut and, and, you know, I'm big on, on, um, educating myself in every way I can. So, um, I guess over the years, you know, I, I, there's, I've learned enough stuff and I'm still learning a lot. Trust me. Um, but you just kind of go with what you think is going to make the best business decision. And then, then you learn from it and I, and there's nothing wrong with making the wrong decision. It might cost you a little bit of money, but you got nothing but the future Eddie, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, all right. So you, you, when you buy this thing and you're growing this thing, you know, you said for four months, you're working your job. I think you said four months, right? You're working your job yeah. and you're trying to run this business and you got your mom helping you. And eventually you're like, Hey, look, I, I can't do both. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bow out of this job. Like, how do you, how do you make that decision? Like was, was the laundromat, doing well enough to support you at that point or did you take a leap what what was that situation yeah i think um i was lucky enough to buy a store that uh was had enough revenue to start with to to um know that i could pay my bills uh, once i walked away from this other job and i lived very frugal at that time still probably pretty frugal but at that time i knew that my expenses were minimal and and i could I can make it happen. It was nice to have the income of the job for sure. But um, yeah, I was able to to do that. That was, that was nice because a lot of people, they buy their first store is like a thousand square feet or, or something, you know, mine was 2,800 and it just, it had enough revenue that, that, you know, it could pay bills, but some of these really small stores, I, you know, I've met a couple of people that they were like, Oh, you were able to walk away from your job. That's nice. I can't do that yet. <laughs> you know, but I was lucky on that, that part. Yeah, that's awesome. And I I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the powers of laundromats, right? What makes them such good businesses and such good investments potentially is that one to maybe three laundromats is your ticket to freedom. If you if that's yeah. what you're going for, right? One to three laundromats is your ticket to freedom. Uh, and you know, if you can get there then you have the option, right? You can keep working if you love flying and you want to keep doing it. You can set up that business to where you can keep flying. 
but if your goal is to kind of leave that, uh, leave your nine to five, have more freedom in your life or whatever, one to three laundromats is, is the ticket. And to your point, you know, if your goal is to get out of that nine to five as quickly as possible, you know, you want to try to get a little bit bigger business so that that volume is there, um, to be able to, you know, buy that ticket out. So that's right. awesome. Uh, was it scary for you not going back or do you feel pretty confident? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was actually scary. You know, the the day my mom left too, I was kind of like, oh man, I'm here on my own. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was such a great help. I just, I can't imagine, uh, you know, it, it, it was just such a blessing to have her come and do that. And when she left, it was like, oh man, I'm here on my own. And then that's when I think the all-nighters started kicking in, which is miserable. And, you know, I dreaded it every time I had to do it. I still do. And once in a while, you know, you just have to do it. Um, Cause like I'm handy. So I, I want to save money and do it myself. Now I'm to the point where I'm starting to hire contractors. I'm starting to find contractors that could do it before. I didn't even know where to, to find somebody that could yeah, do totally. this stuff for a laundromat, you know, but uh, you know, you hire a plumber and it's like, whoa, $2,000. And they just, all they did was solder a pipe together. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's not going to work. <laughs> so yeah you know, YouTube and, uh, putting time in was, was where, you know, I had to, you had, I had to earn it in the beginning. That's for sure. But now I have a really, you know, flexible schedule. I still put a lot of time into the laundromat cause I'm having fun with it. And I think that's the leadership side of it. If I just kind of walked away from it, um, my, my employees would kind of go, um, what's he doing? You know, but uh, you know, I stay very active in it cause it's just fun. It's, it's fun to watch it grow and it's fun to see the rewards and it's, it's just a great, great time for me right now. Yeah. So, well, what are you doing? What, like, what's a typical week for you with this laundromat? Uh, typical week is I'll go up there about five days a week. Um, you know, one of the nice things about quitting the pilot job was now I've got weekends, you know, now I've got evenings at home. And so I can put in, you know, a typical 40 hour week if I want, or I can work longer and it's still fixing things. It's still, um, you know, repairing swamp coolers or, um, adding a, you know, a new sink or, you know, putting in a new toilet or, you know, there's a lot of work to be done for sure, especially when you're trying to do it yourself. And, um, so that's, that's where I go. I do like the kind of the dailies I could get away with probably spending, um, five hours a week there. Um, I just do the collections and check in with the employees, do the payroll and, you know, they, they handle it. I even have employees that do collections for me, which is, you know, against what a lot of people would say is advisable, but, you know, I trust them and, you know, I definitely had to make some changes in the staff at times, which is not fun, but, um, I, I always tried to make sure I, I make better hiring decisions. <laughs> I think it was, the uh, um, Facebook said, uh, one of the th most important things in growing a business is hire quick and fire faster. Mm -hmm. And I never, I don't understand that concept because I don't like firing people, right. but, but sometimes you have to, you know, and I gave, I gave a lot of guys, um, a lot of leeway, um, until, you know, they would kind of hang themselves with their own rope because in that business, it was like, I felt so bad for them. I was like, man, this is a tough job. You know, they're working late nights. This is a dangerous neighborhood. They got to close on their own. At least the guy shows up every day. You know, he's friendly. The customers love him, you know, that type of thing but then at a certain point and then i've noticed that every time i did made that decision i got a little bit more empowered and um it came out to be like a little bit better aura and a little bit better energy at the at the laundromat and things just you know 
work out better that way. So, yeah, totally. And I've for sure seen that too. I mean, it's hard letting people go. It's hard firing people, you know, unless they, sometimes they just make it easy, and (laughs) right? Like you just got to get rid of them. I had a, I had a lady who was working for me and she literally got in a yelling match with a customer over nothing and like the entire shopping center is coming out and it's just and i was just like look that's that's not how you want to be portrayed here like that decision was easy uh but a lot of times it's not that easy and like you said especially if you're in like a rougher neighborhood and there's a lot of things that you know it's you're like you're looking at the amount of work it's going to take to replace them or if you're going to have to fill the shift until you can replace like there's a lot of things to think about. Right. But like you said, you know, and you know, you think about like good to great, the book, which is an awesome book, uh, to, uh, and you know, it's having the right people in the right seats, right. Doing, doing the job. And it really does, like you said, it kind of brightens up the aura of the, of the business, the atmosphere, uh, you know, and a lot of times what happens if you have multiple employees and one is slacking off or doing things they shouldn't be doing or stuff, resentment starts to build up in the other yeah. employees and, yep. and you know and talking about leadership sometimes you just got to make that hard decision and have that hard conversation for the sake of the other employees uh who are doing the right things um, yeah that's spot on because i didn't realize how much it affected the other employees when i let this one person go I, you know it just changed the attitude of the other employees like hey everybody's pulling their weight now <laughs> and uh yeah that was that was a, a lesson that was interesting to, to learn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So uh, you're, you're growing uh, this business. You've been doing some like incremental changes, doing the floors, you're preparing <laughs> stuff around, you're adding some machines. Uh, I mean, has, have you seen pretty good growth? That's been like a couple few years uh, since you've owned this business. I, I mean, have you seen some pretty good growth? What's that been like? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> the growth has been insane. I mean, what what my goals were for this laundromat when I first bought it, you know, three years later, it's three times that that goal. And I n- had never thought that it would it would do as well as it's doing. But you know, <laughs> you know, a couple lucky things. You know, like I said, um, improving the customer experience. We've just had a lot of of return customers, and then that with the, you know the ability to raise prices um, in the store, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of raising prices. Like I'm not trying to gouge anybody. I, I have a lot of empathy for my customers and I, but I want them to get the value. But at the same time, like I've got to make sure, um, all my bases are covered and, you know, they're, we're doing the right thing for everybody. So, um, you know, having employees is a, <laughs> a lot of payroll, you know, that's a, that's a tough expense. So we got to make sure that it it's, everything's working out right. And then, Shoot, there could be a downturn at any time. You could have a competitor move in at any time, and and you know, are you prepared for that? So, um, yeah, the growth has just been huge. It's been it's been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I mean, I love hearing that. And you know that that combination of like you know lucky lucky breaks, but also you know, like I said, being ready for those lucky breaks, preparing for it, um, having that going is awesome. And I love. I mean, I'm I'm sure the majority of your success is attributed to you know, your, your detail in improving the customer experience and, and ensuring they're having a good experience. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've mentioned on this before, but I, I, in 
you said like a magic word for me, which is empathy. And I think empathy <clears throat> gets a bad rap. Uh, it's almost perceived as like a weak trait weak, in a lot of yeah. ways. And I, I honestly think that empathy is a superpower. Um, I think if you can develop empathy for your, yeah, I mean, just in general, just in life in general, but especially in your business for uh, your community and for your customers, and you can kind of put yourself in their shoes and feel what they're feeling. It actually is going to be a superpower for you. And I think that that's a big part of why you're seeing the growth that you're seeing, like three Xing your goal for your business is insanity. Like that's, so, yeah. that's insanity. Um, so congrats you know, for that. For sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, look, yeah, I actually have a funny story about uh, that that type of thing. When I, I I went through this whole process of like making signs, right? So I like you know sat down, YouTube a ton of videos on how to use this uh, program. It's similar to Photoshop. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, put all this effort into making these signs, right? Uh, you know what size machines they are. You know, like rules of the laundromat. And I had this one sign that I was so proud of because we have a lot of issues with customers over soaping the machines. And I'm sure you do too. You know, it's very common. So I wanted to put this on there because we got a lot of the same repeat customers soaping over soaping the machines. And I said, um, I made a little stop sign, you know, and I, I post, you know, I, did, I never made it actually, but I created it and it said, please do not over soap. There will be no refunds. And it had a couple pictures on it of like, you know, the X through, you know, too much soap and you know the, the picture of the right amount of soap. Anyway, I thought I would post it on the Facebook forum to get some feedback. Oh man, did I get ripped apart? I mean, <laughs> and by, by a lot of people who are really, really expected, I know they've all been, you know, I think uh, Luke Williford was just like, yeah, that basically says to me, let anybody know where's the nearest wash house, you know. Oh. <laughs> Ross Ross was on there. He was super nice about it, but they just were like, that just says no customer service at all. And I was like, oh, but I'm so proud of this thing. You know, I, I thought it was going to be such a great tool in the laundromat to help people, but it really wasn't. It was basically saying, hey, you're screwing up. <clears throat> and and that was a huge lesson for me on how to, you know, approach customers. Yeah, that well, that is funny because I mean. Uh, that that's a common sign that you might see in any laundromat, right? Like don't over soap, no refunds because in, in I'm sure, you know, for you and for a lot of people that came out of a frustration as an owner, right? Because when people over soap, it creates a mess. They get upset because, you know, their stuff is still soapy when it comes out and they blame it on the machines and yada, yada, yada. And like, you know, it's, coming out of that frustration of, you know, having to deal with that. Uh, But uh, like you said, like having that customer empathy there and seeing, you know, and, and for those of you guys who don't know, when he said, Luke says, that just says, go to the next wash house. That's the name of Luke's chain. He's got like 40 laundromats. Right. And like, Hey, go to the competitor. Yeah. He's, he's got insane, but uh, yeah, that is a hilarious story though. Uh, but again, the power of the community, right? Like power right. of working together. That even that even led me to like retraining my staff. But I was like, yeah, it was just a whole new perspective for me that was like, hey, let them over soap it. That's like a cultural thing. You know, they love to use soap. You're not going to change that, you know, in, in their, their mind. So let them do it and then try to convince them that we're really sorry that that happened. And, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it for you. And, you know, to restart a machine for somebody once a day, twice a day, whatever, it's nothing. So 
you know, why not? And, you know, it, it was a change for my employees too. They were kind of like, wait, what, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to stop this from happening. <laughs> I was like, just let it go. Yeah. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I love the, it's funny. Cause it's like a small thing, right? This yeah. one sign that you were going to post, you happen to post it, you know, on the Facebook thing. And people were like, <laughs> and, and these are, I mean, you meant you drop in some you're dropping some heavyweight names, right? Luke Williford, Ross Dodds. Like those are some heavyweight names in this yeah. industry. I, and yeah. I think Dave Menz even commented on it too. You know, all super nice people, but it, you know, it was like, whoa, these guys are saying that. All right, let's, let's take a step back. Let's look at that. Yeah. And, and it just caused a whole perspective shift, uh, which I think is, I mean, I think that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So your business has been, Booming. You mentioned that you're thinking about maybe buying another one with, with some property. What are, do you have any like goals, aspirations? Are you trying to get a bunch? You just trying to take it one step at a time. What's that looking like for you? Yeah, I'm trying to take, take it one step at a time. I think, um, there's no, like, I don't have this idea of like, Hey, I want to own 10. I want to own a hundred. You know, it's just kind of a matter of, um, what I can manage, you know, and that's one step at a time, one laundromat at a time. I think I'm ready to expand into another one because I do want to have some diversity for, you know, for future. Um, if something happens, I, I lose my lease or something on this current one. Hey, you know, there goes just about everything. But um, so I think it's important to diversify somehow, some way, whether that's other services you're offering in your laundromat or whatever, or having multiple laundromats. I think that's, that's important. So that's where I'm, I'm trying to go with it. Yeah. Awesome. Have you thought about doing like pickup and delivery? I know you said you get like a couple, maybe customers on drop off, but have you thought about trying to grow that a little more or are you looking for another I did to do that? Yeah, I did. I would need a different location for sure. We don't have enough space. Um, we don't have, you know, it'd be nice to have a back door for that type of stuff. Um, some closets or even an extra, you know, unit off the side to be able to store and, and house a lot of that stuff. Uh, but that's a, a goal I had at one point, but now um, I just want to optimize the the way this store works right now. And then I think in the future, because because when you add wash dry fold, it's a whole nother business and it's a whole nother animal, a whole nother set of employees, you know, problems. And so I, I would like to get this one, efficient and then maybe decide at that point um if it's necessary or um something i've had a couple of people say yeah we tried implementing it but it, we found it was just easier just to grow laundromats you know yeah well that's the luke and lee williford philosophy is it's just easy for us to add more locations right <laughs> yeah makes sense model to follow yeah right right bad model. but but i love the wash dry fold thing because you're you're almost unlimited in your reach you can reach a different set of customers um now it comes down to a lot more marketing and you know you're adding new business skills which is fun too but we'll we'll see how that goes <laughs> yeah that's cool i mean i love the just take it one step at a time and we'll see where we end up because you know we've already talked about like the the business models there's there's a plethora of different ways you can kind of go uh mm -hmm. there so yeah it's kind of exciting to kind of build that out and see yeah. where you end up be fun. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. Uh, anything else about your business that we should be talking about before we get into some of the segments of, uh, of the podcast here? 
I don't know. I think it's it's pretty basic. Like it's really basic. You know, it's just a laundromat, and it's you know, it's just doing turns. It's just well, doing turns. That's, that's the whole. That's the whole goal for a lot of us who love this business, right? Just have a basic, mm-hmm. simple business that serves the community well and is profitable doing it. And that's that's what we're doing. Right. 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 You'd be amazed at how difficult it is to to get everything dialed in, you know, everything from like ADA compliances to, you know, um, you know, d- distances on machines and dryers to get customer flow and how many, you know, I think there's a formula, even um, Andrew Cunningham, one of your, your guests has on like dryers to, to uh, washers capacity ratio and things like that. You know, there's a lot to this business that you could spend a lot of time just perfecting, uh, the efficiency of and you know compliance and regulatory of taxes you know you name it it's just you can keep you busy yeah and don't get andrew started on uh on your uh oh man makeup air the makeup air yeah thank you the makeup air because he'll go for days on the makeup air yeah uh, that's funny i gotta call andrew today actually so maybe i'll bring it up and, and bait him a little bit yeah he's a good guy i i hired him to consult a little bit after i watched one because i knew he knew my my neighborhood too yeah. he was like Oh, oh, dude. Yeah. Actually, anybody interested, you can actually book a call with Andrew Cunningham on Laundromat Resource. He's he's one of the consultants over there. So laundromatresource.com slash coaching. You can actually book a call with him anytime to talk anything, whether you're getting into the business or you already own laundromats and you're, you're going to the next level. So he's he's awesome. He knows the business like the back of his hand for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got a segment called Down to Business. And in Down to Business, we just talk just a little bit more specifics about your business so you are in la right yeah yes awesome love it and uh you've got one right now looking at maybe getting another one potentially uh and you've been in for a couple times a couple years now uh what talk to me what does it cost to do laundry in koreatown well we had um it's a, there's a funny story behind that too, but we we were able to raise prices significantly uh, due to you know upgrading the facility and um, you know adding new equipment. And then, um, as you know, I don't know you know how many of your listeners know about this, but Southern California or California in general got hit with a gas crunch in January that was just insane. insane. Uh, we, you know, our, my gas bill more than doubled as most people did. And, um, you know, that just wipes out all your profit really uh, because the gas bill is, is one of your biggest <laughs> expenses. And for that to more than double was like crazy. So we all kind of, you know, everybody in the industry was like, all right, well, we got to change our dryer, dryer times and dryer, you know, drop them from like, you know, eight minutes for a quarter to five minutes for a quarter. And, and I had done a, ch- a change like the month before from 10 minutes to eight minutes. And I got a ton of backlash. And one of my employees was like, hey, you know, they don't really say much when you change the washing machines, but they, we sure get a lot of complaints when you change the dryers. And I was like, because we did it, you know, that was around the time we had just got the new equipment installed. So we were doing a little bit of price changes and kind of experimenting. I was scared to do it. Didn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> when that gas bill hit, I was like, got to do it. And so we jumped the washer prices 25% which is, that's huge. And I, I felt terrible having to do it, but we had to regain that. And um, so luckily now as things have calmed down, we were able to, you know, find a, a nice even number that still worked. Uh, we didn't lose hardly any um, 
customers. When I say customers, I, I measure it through capacity, just a simple formula on uh, turns per day times the capacity of that machine. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing X amount of pounds per week uh, in my laundromat. We didn't lose that many pounds per week, but we increased our revenue by, you know, 25% which was great. Um, and then once, you know, the prices on the gas came down, we were able to refine and adjust and, and make some, some fine tuned adjustments. And now we're, we're cruising right around, uh, I think my, uh, 80 pounders are about nine fifty, and my 20 pounders are at three fifty. Forty 40 pounders are about, I think five seventy five. Yeah. So Oh, that's awesome. And I, I mean, I love, I think that's interesting feedback because I found that to be true also about the dryers and washers uh, where customers, for whatever reason, you know, they, they complain about the dryers and the washers, you can raise the prices and they, it just doesn't seem to bother them as much for whatever reason. But I'm wondering if it's because of the time thing, right? And there's a lot of laundromats yeah. in LA even that are like, three minutes for a quarter and are charging, you know, like that, uh, wow. which is just kind of interesting. I know a lot of people went to full cycle dry, which is a scary transition to make too. Yeah. Uh, so I got yeah. some feedback on that and they were a lot of people, even my mechanic was like, Hey, we suggest you don't do that. This is not the area for that. Um, we had a guy we did that for and then within 24 hours, he was calling us to come back and change the prices back. <laughs> yeah you know, to not do full cycle drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's an interesting, there's a, there's some kind of psychology there that I don't yeah. really understand, yeah. but yeah. it is, it is kind of interesting. And I know too, a lot of you Midwesterners are out there being like, what you charge nine fifty for 80 pounders or whatever. We're at like $14. Yeah. I've, uh, I've read some of those crazy. Facebook things. And I think a lot of people forget where, where people are there. You know, a lot of people just call people out on, Oh my gosh, that price is just crazy or whatever, whether it's on the high side or whether it's on the low side, but everybody forgets where they're dealing with it. And you know, the East coast if you can double that for a vend price it's just really really interesting but not here yeah well it is interesting and it's a little counterintuitive because when you think of like la versus like kansas or something you're like well yeah la is going to be more expensive but it's actually not true and i think a big part of it is there's uh, a lot more competition here like a lot more. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and so it drives it does have downward pressure on on the pricing here uh but Interesting, but you seem to be pretty much in line with what I'm seeing around. So, uh, everybody back off. All right. He's, he's, okay. <laughs> uh, well, no. uh, all right. So what about, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned capacity. I love the, your formula for capacity with turns times, uh, you know, pounds of, of the washers. I mean, can you talk a little bit about like what kind of turns are you doing or capacity or, or yeah. how do you, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, so so I keep a really good spreadsheet. That's a weekly um, weekly spreadsheet of of uh, basically you know broken down per size of machine, and then I also have broken it down a couple times into uh, even if it's the same size of machine, like what's the age of the machine? Like if this one's thirty years old and this one's you know new, am I get doing a lot of difference in business? And that's, nice. uh, that's yeah, it's great feedback to know. I remember Andrew Cunningham was like, "Why would you ever do that?" And I was like, "Well." I just want to, you know, get microscopic about it so that I can see what adjustments to make. And uh, so, so my spreadsheet just shows all the different um, size machines, 
how much money I collected out of each one of those uh, or out of each type of machine. And then the formula is pretty simple. It's just divided by the vend price, then divided by the um, amount of days in the week. And that comes up with my turns per day. So I can see all the different turns per day. And then I average that all the way, you know, on a, a far right column to my average turns per day. I'll tell you my I know that I'm not up to optimum efficiency because you probably want to have all your machines right around the same uh, turns per day. Uh, but I have like a huge variation of turns per day. And um, it's kind of true to, you know, my 80 pounders are very popular. Uh, I, I should have more of those. We do a high amount of turns per day on those. Um, I have 20 pounders and I only have four of them because I didn't really think anybody would ever want them. So I only bought four when I took out the the top loaders and you wouldn't believe how many turns per day those are getting. I mean, it's just like unreal and it's way above what the other ones are getting. <laughs> Again, it's kind of that psychology thing. I don't know if people just see like the cheaper price, so they want to do it. And and I, I don't mind that. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you got to get bigger machines in there. You can want to force people to bigger machines because you, you're going to make more money on bigger machines. But really my, my lower machines, I make more money per pound. So you know, there's a little bit more profit in the, the smaller size machines than the bulk machines. You know, they're getting a bit better deal. The customer is on the, the bulk machine, which is should be designed that way. Uh, but for me, the owner, you know, I don't mind them using the 20 pounders all day long. If that's if they want to split up their load and not do a 60 pounder and do three 20 pounders. Guess what? I just made a little bit more money, you know? So, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. And especially I think in our market where, that upper limit number is really, that's a tough one to raise up to the same sort of ratio, you know, per pound as the lower ones. Like you, like you said, I mean, you can get away with, you know, raising those lower ones up to 350 or whatever it was for a 20 pounder, but you're, you know, just creeping over, you know, a dollar a pound at like the 950 for 80 pounds. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so that ratio is harder to get in line in our market for whatever reason. Those upper Yeah. What it comes out to be is about 15 cents per pound, my average. But, you know, like my 20 pounders are 19 cents per pound and my 80 pounders are 12 cents a pound. So, you know, it works out. Um, the 15 cents per pound is still on the low side, I think, even for our area. But, um, you know, it, it works for us. So so I have no desire to change it now. Are you seeing the biggest turns per day on your bookends, like your 80s and your 20s, and then not as yeah. much in the middle? Is that how it's working? Yeah, even yeah. So on the ends is always the the highest amount of you know, and you just notice that when you pull the quarters out. Like I'll have you know six 30 pounders in a row, and the two end 30 pounders will be the highest volume. And then again, you know, the I have the 80s up front right when you walk in the door, and I have 60s on the back wall, which are actually a better value. They get a better you know, um, price per pound out of the 60 pounders, but they just don't use them because they don't go to the back of the store as much. And I've tried to do everything to like highlight, you know, Hey, go to, you know, and, and let the, you know, have the attendants, you know, know that when people are looking for machine, Hey, we've got these sixties in the back. Um, but I think the sixties are just, you know, somebody told me that guy down in San Diego, he told me when you get to above around six turns per day, you should add a new machine. And, um, we're, you know, in Koreatown, uh, we're, we're high for that. So, um, we're a little bit more than that, but, um, you know, my 60 pounders do less and I just don't think this, the customers, it's just that in between machine. And yeah. I the same with the thirties. I think the sixties and the thirties are kind of, 
an in-between machine. Everybody wants the 20, the 40, and the and the 80. So it's a, it's a challenge, but that's just part of part of the business. Yeah, that's interesting. I had a Brandon Understall. This was like way back early on, and he was like, "Don't do 40s because they just people will overstuff the 40s and not use the 60s." Uh, and I think it's interesting, but that was kind of before 80s were so popular too, and and 60s were the big machines and now 80s are more commonly the big machines so it's kind of interesting how it all works and like i don't know like there is like some kind of psychology about that but there's also the spatial thing right that the convenience factor um and the in your face factor where if the 60s are <laughs> sort of not in your face you just don't think yeah yeah i'm like hey i got these beautiful brand new machines in the back but people just want to use the old 80s up front. <laughs> so yeah. all right, all right. Hey. Get it going. Yeah. Well, maybe you need to raise your 80 prices and say, hey, the 60s are a better value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe not, though. Maybe just let it happen. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, are you running fully attended? Yeah. Yeah. I would call it absentee. You know, I don't have to be there. Uh, every, but we have, a, or I have an employee there all day um, during the, the, week and the weekend they they the hours are a little bit more extended on the weekends they start earlier and and probably finish about the same time like around midnight they probably finish uh that's when the store closes midnight but uh we're able to start the attendant a little bit later on the weekdays uh even though you know we're still kind of busy i think it's it's fine it works out really well yeah awesome so uh are you coin only or yeah card too Coin only. No coin only. I, I've thought, I, you know, I've gone down this road with so many people about, Hey, do you do the hybrid? Do you do the, you know, pay range? Do you do this, do, you do that. And, and I just have decided that right now we're okay. Eventually, you know, if I bought a new store, you know, did something, I had to buy a bunch of new equipment. I would definitely, you know, include so that it's more of a hybrid just to see, to be honest with you, because everything I've really tried, I've always been shocked with results, whether in a good way or a bad way. So right, yeah. I kind of just want to see how it works. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, Hey, there's always time for that too. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did want to ask, I meant to ask you this earlier because you kind of just casually mentioned that you uh, allow one of your attendants to collect for you sometimes or always or whatever. Uh, how, how did you make, and you, and you even acknowledge, you said, Hey, most people say don't do that. And that's yeah. pretty common advice. So I'm curious why you decided to do that and how that's going. And if you're doing anything, if you need to like do anything to kind of make sure um, things are good or. Yeah. So, so, um, I mean, I, I, there's only so much you can do without micromanaging. And I, I, they know that I have uh, cameras everywhere. And I also have sensors on all the coin machines and on all the uh, safes. And um, my employees, I've found, this has just kind of been a philosophy of mine, is um, it's not always this way, but, you know, if you treat them with respect, they'll or you treat them like an adult, they'll, they'll act accordingly. And I kind of use that philosophy and yeah, it's not, hasn't always been perfect, but I have never seen any money that I can account for missing. Could, could there be money going out the door in quarters? Like somebody's grabbing a handful here and there. Yeah, I'm sure there could be, but uh, I live an hour away from my store. So if something happens and Hey, I've got to get down there or, uh, you know, we, our, our coin boxes fill up so often, a lot of times on the weekends, if I want to have the weekend off, 
which is kind of my goal. I've got to trust these guys. And there's, there's one in particular that I trust. And I think he's, you know, manager, um, you know, quality if, if we grow into that. Um, so it works out well. And, um, I do give a lot of bonuses too. Um, I'm, I don't have a good bonus structure, but I give a lot of bonuses for, um, Hey, you show up every day. You've been faithful to me and, uh, it works. I mean, we, we have a good relationship with each other. We trust each other, respect each other. And that's, that's how I go about that. Again, might not be the smartest thing ever that I've ever done, (laughs) but it could be money walking out the door, but it hasn't been enough. And I have never seen it to where, uh, I needed to take action on it. I did have one guy who was, uh, one of the guys had to let go. He was, um, a closing guy and he decided, I mean, I have so much respect for this guy for what he was doing, but unfortunately I had to let him go. He was running his own wash and fold out of my laundromat and he had, you know, they have access to the top of the machine so they can restart them. And, and, you know, every experienced laundromat owner is going to say, oh yeah, that's, you you never give the key to that, to the attendants because they're going to do this. But he had his, uh, like people in his apartment complex, he was bringing their laundry to the door (laughs) to start the load at like 11 o'clock at night when he's supposed to be cleaning up. And then. He had people coming and helping him. He had employees. It was just like hey, full-fledged business, man. There's no yeah, yeah. You can make a lot exactly. of money. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's an entrepreneur. Like, how can we partner? But it's yeah. <laughs> you know, he was unfortunately laundromat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like unfortunately, he's taking, you know, some other things and it, it yeah, just couldn't didn't work. <clears throat> yeah. It yeah, but. it happens for sure. <laughs> uh yeah. Um well, I was just say maybe a case for going hybrid is that a lot of times those uh, card readers will actually count the coins uh, too, so you'll yeah. you'll have a record of, of right that too. Yeah, and I'm all, I'm all about having backup records and as many yeah. backups as I can, just to you know, yeah, cross verify everything. That's best way to do it. Yeah. So is the employee counting the money, uh, the coins, or are they just yeah. dumping them in a yeah. safe or refilling the changers or something? Yeah, unfortunately they have to. I it would I would love it if they, you know, were able to just dump it in a safe and then I took care of that, but uh we have to use those quarters right away to restock the yeah. coin machines, so. Right. Uh yeah, he counts them. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, I love listen, you know, there's there's uh, you know, advice that goes out there that seems universal and it just goes to show not all advice is universal and like you said, can somebody be Skimming, can your employee be skimming off the top from you? Yeah, maybe. Could be, then, yeah. You know, are you going to learn a hard lesson at some point? Maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. You know, like, exactly. uh, and we'll it's see. just, it's, it's a process, right? Like, all of this is a process. And the goal of the podcast is so that we're sharing these things to speed up the process for everybody, but it's still going to be a process, right? And maybe down the line, you learn, hey, treat people like adults. They're going to respond accordingly. And that's the lesson to learn. And maybe you learn, Hey, I needed a, a backup and I, you know, I paid a little yeah. bit of money to learn that lesson, you know? Right. Right. Was, right. So, but I love that. Um, okay. We have another segment called secret sauce and secret sauce is what one piece of advice do you have for other laundromat owners to help them take their business to the next level? I think the upgrades are key. I really think, I mean, every laundromat owner, especially the, the successful ones will say the customer Customer service is going to be key. Um, but I think the upgrades are, are important too. Even if you don't think that they're going to have an initial return on investment, uh, they add a lot of, of value to, to the customer. They help you look like more of a professional operator. And I, I think it just goes a long way. 
that's that's the only key that I have. And and to be honest with you, I think you really got to know how to do some of this stuff yourself because uh, I think the first time I had a plumber come out, it was twenty two hundred dollars to fix like one leak. And then coming to find out I could YouTube and a little trial and error, you know, was able to fix a leak myself. So <laughs> being handy helps a lot. I, I, a lot of times I don't know how people do it without being handy because as you know, the maintenance guys are very busy. So uh, if you can change something out easily, you know, change out a drain, change out a water valve or, uh, you know, fix something on the back of a dryer that's like a common thing you know, it's, it's good to learn that stuff so that <laughs> these guys are busy and they're going to charge you when they come out. So yeah, it's for sure. Yeah. And it, I mean, it adds up real fast. And especially if you're coming in with like a zombie mat type of situation yeah. and you're looking to, you know, kind of build that business up, uh, you can come in with the capital and have people do right. it, which is fine. And that's, that can be a great business model. You can make a lot of money right. that way, or you yeah, can come absolutely. in and and fix it yourself, save a little money, and you can make a lot of money that way. So um, I love that. Yeah, uh, I, I respect both ways of it, to be honest with you. I mean, if you've got the capital, just you know, have it get done. In fact, now I'm to that point where we're making enough money, I can hire, just have this stuff done and just get it knocked out and you know, move quicker. It's it's a it's a curve, you know, that has like an exponential growth. When you start making the money, you start being able to put the money back into it. And then it just keeps making more, you know, it, it's really, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't want, like, I, I see a lot of people saying like, don't fix your own equipment. I see a lot of people saying you can only fix your own equipment. I see a lot of people saying don't fix your own equipment. And I, you know, I, I see both sides and I see the merits of both sides, but you know, if you're coming in and you're kind of bootstrapping and you're, you know, you've used all your capital to put down all these deposits <laughs> that you didn't anticipate, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Get in there and fix it, man. And, and yeah. get to the point where you can hire out again. It's just a process and there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to do it, but we all want to try to move from that, like doing it yourself to, Hey, I'm the business owner and I'm running the business, not right. letting the business, you know, right. How yeah. dirty I have to get. <laughs> I think it's real important to try to stay outside of your business. You know, I think, uh, there's a book called the E-Myth really, really, uh, really good yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. And it's about working on your business, not in your business. And anytime you're doing maintenance, you're really working in your business. So, you know, if you can stay out of that, that's great, but you know, it is going to help you. <laughs> that's what I've found. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, I'll put a link to, uh, E-Myth and I mentioned good to great earlier. I'll put a link to that one too. Just okay. if anybody wants to pick those up. Those are solid books. Um, all right, we got another segment called Pro Tips. And Pro Tips is, hey, what's a piece of advice you got for somebody trying to get into this business? I think, you know, this is where I, I've had a lot of people contact me, friends, or and, and you, as you know, social media is blowing up this industry. I mean, I can't tell you how many people send me this stuff off TikTok and Instagram about how laundromats are the number one rated, you know, safe business or number one money maker. What you know, these businesses that people never thought of, and I kind of, you know, you, you kind of people looked at you funny when you were talking about buying one, you know, and now they're like all over social media Everywhere, and people, yeah. And it's helping. It, it's helped the industry a lot, but at the same time, it's um, it's made it difficult to find new ones. But uh, I think if you 
go and look for these resources like you, you've got this podcast. I've turned people, so many people onto this podcast because I've learned, I've learned so much stuff that I, I have to stop watching it because I can't even, I can't implement it all. I can't, yeah, can't yeah. process it all. <laughs> you know, it was just like, this stuff is awesome. I mean, it, and it really gets you motivated and really makes you feel excited about the business. So if you're thinking about getting into it, I mean, I mean, no need to even say that at this point, because if you're hearing me say this, you're already watching your podcast, but it's, it's a great resource. That and the Facebook groups, there's a couple of them that are really, really good. If you get on there and you be active and be respectful and professional, I think people treat you really, really well. And that, a lot of great feedback on those. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Uh, well, I mean, hey, we have another segment called Recommended Resources, but it sounds like those are recommended resources. You got the podcast and stuff, but you got the Facebook groups. Anything you need to add to that or does that cover it? Um, I mean, I know you're a book junkie and you, and we're all about this like personal growth stuff at the same time as building our laundromats. I think the other uh, book that I absolutely love for leadership is called Extreme Ownership. I love that and- Yeah, that one I think is a must when you get into any type of leadership position. Um, and it's really about accountability for yourself, which is probably a great life tool too, you know, like, Hey, how is this failure? My fault. Even if there's no way in the world, you could think it's your fault. Try to find a way to link it back to you. And that, that tip to me is gone, gone really far. Yeah. Well, and that's a mindset shift that is, I, I just think it's so powerful you know you can have that victim mentality where you can blame right anyone or anything else and and for a lot of us myself included i think that's like the natural inclination right like push it off to somebody else and <laughs> you know as a business owner but just as a person i was just having this conversation with my kids yesterday and just saying hey look don't blame i was talking to my daughter like don't blame your brother you know for this happening you know it's it's on you, like in anything that happens, like it's on you. And there's a way that you could have done things differently. Even if you're totally hundred percent wrong, somebody robbed your business or whatever, right. like, Hey, you know, it's on me. I, you know, I need to do a better job of taking care of my business and right. you know, whatever like if, it is. Did like, like, did my business get robbed because I shared too much information on this podcast? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm heading over there with the crowbar in a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Awesome. Love that. Thank you for that recommendation. I'll put a link to Extreme Ownership too. Uh, super good book. Highly recommend it. Uh, last question I have for you uh, is if people are interested in you know just chatting more about what you got going on and how you 3X'd your business, uh, 3 x your goals for your business even, uh, what's the best way they can contact you? Uh, I think Facebook is probably the best. Most people have Facebook. Uh, I'm on there as Emil Shafroth. And uh, I think the spelling and everything you can put in the the link. And then I'm also on Instagram. Um, that's more just like my personal life and my, me and my dog, but <laughs> there's some, there's some laundry stuff on there too. Trickles in there. I love it. Yeah. Uh, dude, this has been an awesome interview just hearing your story. Yes. But also, uh, you know, just the practical tips and advice you gave, uh, in, in terms of growing your business from somebody who's grown your business, you know, incredibly in a very difficult market, like LA market is no joke. So to be able to do what you've done is that's a huge accomplishment. So huge congrats to you, but also a big thank you for coming on and sharing, uh, sharing that. And, uh, I know we're just down the street from each other. So we're going to have to actually hang out uh, (laughs) in the near future too. So appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was, it was an honor. Uh, honor, honor is mine. This is, I love doing this. I love hearing, 
you know, from people like you who are killing it in this business and who are willing to, you know, help people like me and, and the people listening, uh, try to kill it in this business too. So I appreciate you a lot. Honors all mine. And, uh, we'll have to be doing some more chatting together. Uh, that sounds good. Future. Sounds good. All right. I hope you love that interview with Emil. So much good stuff. Love hearing his story. He's got some unique uh, approaches to stuff, which is very cool. And uh, hopefully you got something good out of that. Uh, as always, I want you to pick one thing and put it into action, not just you, but also me, and put it into action today. For me, it comes out of this quote that I wrote down uh, from him. He says, anything you can do to improve the customer experience is going to benefit me, right? So, uh, you know, sometimes we get that selfish side inside of us. And if that's where you're at, no problem. But it turns out that if you want to be the most selfish, then you need to help other people. I don't know if that really makes sense, but uh, I think the point is clear, right? Like it benefits you when you help other people. So put yourself out there, go find a way to improve the customer experience at your laundromat or your laundry service business. Or if you're not in there yet, start putting together a plan of how you want to treat your customers uh, when you do take over. All right. Pick one thing for you. Maybe share it on the forums, laundromatresource.com slash forums, and we'll see you next week. Peace.